the four o'clock football frenzy with Cofield and Company. It's football frenzy back here at the Silver Sevens. Lots of NFL happenings going on as they are each and every day with free agency period and player movements. Nothing massive yet today. It seemed like we were kind of through some of the crazy news. Then yesterday, Bruce Arians decides to step aside. Still don't know quite the full story of what's going on there, but I'm sure more will trickle out uh, as we go through the next couple of days and weeks. But Todd Bowles does take over. Uh, has a chance with a good team, we would think. We're not sure how much Brady had to do with it, but uh, Todd Bowles with a pretty good team. I guess maybe that makes the Miami Dolphins rumors go away with Tom Brady. Maybe he wanted to switch teams, which was a weird one. Uh, we'll find out how that uh, starts to develop. But big news today with the Rams. It was kind of teased last night a little bit by Richard Sherman, newsbreaker, who works for Pro Football Focus, that said uh, big Bobby Wagner happenings coming in the next couple of hours, then last night in the around midnight, I was working on a mock draft and I saw he tweeted out like uh, a little bit of a delay. We'll find out in the morning. And then today we find out Bobby Wagner does land in the same division with the Rams. Longtime Seahawk, eight time pro bowler coming off a very good season ends up with the Rams. But at 32, I mean, listen, the contract is not going to be uh, fulfilled to its fullest. We know that that's how these deals work. But five years and 50, that seems like a lot for a guy that's 32 years old. Yeah, and maybe they're just looking to run it back, you know, with, the, like you said, the the contract may not last. But he's going home, you know, he's born in L.A., graduated from high school just outside of L.A. in Ontario, California. So getting a chance to possibly finish his career there and take a shot at, at a ring, you know, with his hometown team. Um if you know, who knows if he if, if they can run it back and he gets one, then he can turn around and retire um, at that age and, and and go out on top with with one last nice big payday. I thought I thought with Steve not here, we weren't going to have to do a what is L.A. and what's not L.A. discussion. Ontario in L.A. No, but he was born in L.A. Okay. He went to high school Fair. in Ontario. And I'm basically uh, uh, full full disclosure. I'm reading from our good friend and my colleague Greg Beecham. So, Greg, okay, he Gre- knows better. Greg wrote that it was on the AP story. Wagner was born in Los Angeles, and he graduated from high school in suburban Ontario, California. Uh, suburban, that's a little bit better. That's yeah. fine. All right, uh, but yeah, Bobby Wagner going to the Rams uh, as they continue to try to build a championship roster and run it back this year. Uh, with another shot at winning the Super Bowl. The NFC wide open. We know that there's only a couple teams that are real contenders over on that side. Well, let's keep it there for a second. I want to ask you just what because you because you dive deep throughout the year, obviously, for the RJ and, and, and for your own. I mean, the things you do between March Madness and, like you said, these mock drafts. Remember last year you were doing it with the NFL draft. Um, is the NFC West going to nosedive? After you know, just basically what we saw with Kyler Murray, we don't know what's going on with the Cardinals. We don't, sure don't know what's going on with the 49ers. Russell Wilson's gone. What I mean, is it basically the Rams' division to lose? No, because I still think the 49ers can be really good, and I think the the Cardinals are still going to be a threat. I mean, when they were healthy last year, they were really good, and Kyler fell off. But a lot of that was the fact that DeAndre Hopkins wasn't there, and they didn't have a full complement of players. 
Now, yeah, they, they, their defense might take a step back, but, um, you know, I think that the Cardinals should still be pretty good. Now, the Seahawks are going to be awful, so you're not going to have all four teams maybe contending uh, at any point in the season, but I think you have three teams that are pretty legitimate. The Rams should win. They'll be favored, but I think that I think there's three teams that are right there. I, I think they'll be fine, and, and we're, we still don't know what the 49ers are going to do. They still have Garoppolo. Yeah. Like, I still think Trey Lance is starting, but they have Garoppolo on the roster. Do they get something for him, or do they, you know, potentially have him as the quarterback? They were in the NFC Championship game last year, and I don't think they're going to take a huge step backward. I, You know, losing a couple of coaches, including Mike McDaniel, could be detrimental, but I think they're still pretty good. And the NFC is it's just going to be wide open. Like, the NFC West is clearly not the best division of football anymore. The NFC West 100% is. Uh, so the balance of to our benefit shifted. to yours. And well, mine. not well to our yes, ours as media people, not yeah. as the Raiders. Not to the Raiders' benefit. They're well. They're I don't still, mean our. Come on now, I don't uh, mean yeah. our. I'm not talking about the team. I'm talking about ours, yours, mine. The guys on press yeah. row. There's going to be a lot of a lot of games that matter. You're going to have uh, you're going to have a good you're gonna, time. You're going to have a great time next year because you're going to be traveling to those games and. Well, I mean the the downside, and not to whine too much, but there's going to be a lot of prime time games which are terrible for us. It's just terrible for deadline. It's awful. Yeah. So, yeah, that that'll be affected, but it'll be it's going to be a very fun season in the FC West. You would imagine, and the NFC West maybe takes a step back from that, but it's still going to be really good. And uh, a lot of a lot of intrigue in the NFC. Like, people are talking about how good the AFC is, and it is. It's great, but I think the NFC is intriguing from the standpoint of you've got the Bucks who should take another run at it with Brady and now with Bowles. You've got the Rams who won last year and. Should be a pretty good team again. And you've got the Packers who don't have anybody to throw to, but they've got a really good defense and they still have Aaron Rodgers and a running game. And they should be pretty good. And then there's other teams that could challenge. So, I mean, the NFC is interesting. You're just not even going to bring up my Cowboys. Oh, no. no. Nobody in the, in, in the NFC East matters. NFC East doesn't matter. Uh, uh, listen, even Jer- – well, we're going to talk about the Cowboys in a little bit, not about anything on the field. Um, Jerry Jones kind of said last year that was their window was closing. Like I, they're lucky that the rest of the conference stinks, and they're still going to be. They're still they should still win the division, and they have a chance to make a run in the playoffs because the the conference stinks. But Jerry Jones himself said that he thinks the window's closing, and kind of is. Well, he better open it. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> his job, right? Uh, or sell. Or, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Or just say that's not my window. It's an inside joke for what's yeah. coming up in a little bit. Okay. Uh, we just mentioned it with with Mark as well. Terrell Owens returning to football, 48 years old. He's going to play receiver for Johnny Manziel in fan-controlled football. Are you interested to watch? Nope. <laughs> you, no. want see, you want to see T.O. out there running routes? Yeah, I'll watch the highlights. I'm not interested in watching it live. I'm not going to. I'm not going to see what time it's on. And I still don't know what fan-controlled football is. I keep hearing I. about it, but I don't like. Are we calling plays? I'm in for that. And just continue, just continuously call running plays and make it super boring. <laughs> well, I know one thing that you would love to do. If you can control it, it'll be fourth. Everybody's going for it on fourth down. Everybody's yeah, there's going no, for it. There's no punts. <laughs> and I did. I, I think I might have told this, but I did tell uh, in a conversation with Nathaniel Hackett, the new coach of the Broncos, I promised him that I will never write a bad word about him if he never punts on fourth and two ever. I, I heard that. And he said, Ever? I was like, never. He said, what if it's fourth and two from our own nine and we're up by three? I was like, give a better chance of going for it and getting it 
than you do of punting and giving them the ball in your own territory and stopping them from kicking a field goal. Um, let's go back. Here's let's go back to fan control football. We have to find out. It's not going to be betting on this, right? I thought there was. Well, so if fan controlling the football, so you bet against it and then call just call running plays or in game wagering and. I, I mean, like what, it. what if, what if, you know, what if you're, what if the the prop is like over so many Hold rushes? Down. Okay, I don't think there's prop betting. Why not? Well, I mean, who's gonna who's gonna post this? Well, who's posting the betting? Well, I think they might post a game total. Just, just inside line. line and total. Yeah, I don't think it. they're gonna have in game or well, or you never props. Know. You never know. That's a tough one. We'll check here at the, the William Hill Sportsbook here. Could you see over seven over over twenty four rushes up. by a certain running back or over over pass steps and then and then the fan crew. No, 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 everybody, no, we got the under. It's preposterous <laughs> in, in every way. It's great. Um, Antonio Brown. We oh. heard about the ankle surgery, but I also saw an interesting comment from him, and it's it makes me wonder if he's trolling or if there is just delusion for some people. Because Antonio Brown said he's just as good as some of these receivers who are getting these big paydays, which he has been. Not, I mean, not, he's not at that level right now, but mm-hmm. he's been the best receiver in the league for a long stretch of his career. Why are they getting these big deals and he's not? He can't be serious, right? Well, he can be because that's, you know, that's his mentality and that's just right now that's what he's thinking. And the spotlight's not on him. Think about it. The, the one wide receiver where the spotlight has been in the last couple of weeks has probably realistically been Devontae Adams for for many well, reasons. Tyreek and Tyreek leaving Kansas City, but you know Devontae leaving um, Green Bay and, and Aaron Rodgers for Las Vegas and Derek Carr, um, and then Tyreek leaving Kansas City. So nobody's talking about him. Nobody's out there. So you're going to hear these things from a guy like Antonio Brown. Does he truly believe that? I do. I think he does. Does any uh, do? Do you or I? No. Um, especially the way that he exited last season, and you know, the fact that he's saying that he's not going to get surgery until a team wants him. Well, makes me wonder. Well, how bad is this ankle? And and then obviously that's been the big question since this came out throughout social media is, you know, you were so injured and so adamant that you couldn't go into the game, but yeah, now you're saying, uh, I'm not going in until, I'm not getting surgery until I get signed. So how bad was it, or was it just that game? What? what? So I, I don't know how serious people can take Antonio Brown. I've said it time and time again that, you know, he has shown signs of, he has talked about personal issues, that you know, until you have a sit down and a one on one, eye to eye, and just maybe an assessment on mental health, because you just don't know what you're getting with this guy. And I think that that weighs in a lot as to why he's not getting big paydays. Because well, of course it does. It's the reason he's not. He did this to himself. The, not only in the, with the Raiders, but by the way, he did get a big payday yeah. uh, with the Steelers, who would have done it if he would have, you know, stayed on the straight and narrow there. With the Bucks, who just needed to grab him after he basically walked out in the Patriots and then just walked off the field with the Bucks, Why are you not getting paid? Why do you think? Well, it's because of your own doing. You know, I mean, it's, just, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing that he's not aware that this is happening. And I'm with him. He's incredibly talented. He probably could have gotten some of those paydays. He could have asked for those guaranteed uh, contracts like some of these other guys are getting. He could have been in that position to be one of the highest paid receivers of all time. He could have. 
He did it. It's just, it's amazing uh, that he would that he would wonder that. And I just it's almost it, like amazing to the level of I don't even know if he's being serious. Like I think he he is, but he he has to know. Well, like, he's being serious, but he's bringing he's like I said at the beginning he's. He's drawing the attention to himself. He has to be shocking. He can't just he can't just say something and leave it. It's got to be very shocking. He's got to draw attention, and that's what he's doing. And because that's his style, so to make the comments that he's going to make, it's got to draw attention. And I think that he knows exactly what he's doing. So is he serious? Yeah, he's serious in the fact that. He he's he's being very deliberate with his approach. Is he when now when you turn around and say, "Well, dude, are you serious?" Like he can't think that he's worth right now as much as some of the other top receivers because he is not. He has the I don't even know if he has the potential to be any more. He has the potential to, to probably receive a good payday, but he's going to have to come around, come full circle, and prove that he can somewhat sustain some consistency for a team. Throughout the season, without any sort of mental, mental or emotional breakdowns. Well, we might have a mental, mental and physical and emotional breakdowns this weekend. Duke is playing North Carolina. We'll get into some of those topics coming back. Twenty-two ounce Bud Light, Budweiser, or Michelob Ultra, plus two hot dogs and two bags of chips, all for just seven seventy-seven at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino. It probably is the biggest game in the history of the sport, and it means everything. When you lose a game of this magnitude, you literally live with the winning fan base if you're on the losing side every day. In grocery stores, in schools, in banks, wherever, this is a matchup with titanic consequences for the loser. There's no question about it. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. It is Cofield and Company down here. Silver 7s, come on by. Stop by. Say hello. We are on Countdown. Final Four coming up on Saturday, and you hear it there. It is a massive, massive game, and we could not be more excited than have somebody who has played in a couple of big games in this series, but maybe not with the stakes this high. But I think somebody that's kind of nervous getting ready to watch the game on Saturday, Jay Williams from ESPN, joins us. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, my man. I'm doing, you know, a little bit uh, anxious for Saturday to get here, <laughs> but uh, you know, so pacing and uh, tequila help heal that. There you so. go. Nice. Uh, great combination. Love it. Uh, we do want to get into, of course, the game real quick, though. We we know we love uh, your and your insight on the NBA. So out here, we are a Lakers town for the most part. Should we just stop? For are now. we done? Are we now. done with the Lakers? Yeah, you're right. It's coming yeah, to yeah, yeah. I think you guys are. Uh, I, I think we are done with the Lakers, but I, I don't think Vegas is done with LeBron James. And Ooh. the reason why I say that is, I know for a fact that LeBron wants to have ownership stake in the team. And we talk about this on our show, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, each uh, weekday morning from six to ten a.m. on ESPN Radio. About there will be a time. It could either happen with the Cleveland Cavs or it's going to happen with the expansion team, which I believe will be in Vegas that LeBron James will have a major ownership stake in. So, yeah, I think we're done with the Lakers as it relates to the play-in tournament. I don't see anything going by, even though LeBron James at 37 is having an MVP-like performance. I think he'll close out being the scoring champ this season, which is an amazing feat and accomplishment. 
But I'm just trying to tell you right now, in a couple of years, LeBron will be coming to Vegas, and he, he might be one of the owners of the team. I, I can attest to the fact that you definitely do talk about that because when I'm doing my 4 a.m. fasted cardio and I'm listening to you guys, it's definitely a, a topic that comes up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, Every day, trust and believe. So we, you know, we are excited. We heard a, a new project yesterday announced with a potential NBA arena just south of the Strip. A billion-dollar arena should be, uh, should be coming around by 2026. We're excited. We think it'll happen. But real soon on the horizon is this game. We heard the... The setup on the way back in, biggest college basketball game in history. It's, I don't think it's hyperbole. This is, right? I mean, look, this game resonates. Uh, when you look at just the sheer numbers, I mean, the numbers when the game comes around on ESPN's network is massive. They always do massive numbers. So, like, you know, I'm looking at this thing saying Saturday, we may see Super Bowl-like numbers for this game. That's how big and how much this game has been marketed. That's what this rivalry means to college basketball. You know, and sometimes, guys, let's be honest about it. I'm like, oh, this is a massive game in college basketball. This is different. Uh, this is Coach K's last hurrah. This is his farewell tour. And I'll be honest with you guys, a month ago, I would have said there's no way in hell that Duke even gets by the first weekend. <laughs> the fact that both Duke and North Carolina are here, and a lot of people thought the same thing about North Carolina as well. Like, they were going to be lucky if they made the tournament. Um, and both teams have gone on an incredible run. So to see it come down this, the Final Four in New Orleans, uh, Coach K's last hurrah, Hubert Davis's first Final Four. I mean, the stakes are the highest, and I heard what you guys said in the promo. You, I have a home in Durham, guys. I'm a 40-year-old man, and my house still gets toilet papered every time <laughs> North Carolina wins these games. I not show you anything. I don't know what else will. Yeah, I mean... I thought we were talking about Kansas Villanova. That's that's my bad. No, um, got, got me. Yeah, got me. On that one. That's a, that's certainly a big game too. But uh, all eyes on this. You mentioned uh, you know, a month ago. You wouldn't have thought this was possible. What did Duke do? What what changed? Obviously, we know the talent is there. It's incredible. Put five potential first round picks on the floor. But what did they do to put it all together? Jeremy, coach. Uh, you know, I, I was saying that the whole year that this team felt like they lacked a true lead guard, somebody that wanted the ball in his hands down the stretch somebody that had the ability not just to create space for himself, but for others. And, you know, Trevor Kills is really good, but he's more of just a, a scorer. He's not a playmaker. And Jeremy Roach has taken on, you know, the playmaking role for this team. And also Paolo Carroll and Mark Williams have been showing that they are pros. Wendell Moore accepting roles, the way he's defended. Uh, and also you know, for Paolo Carroll, he has been settling for jump shots. He's been muscling people. You know, when you stand next to him, you're like, man, damn, you are 6'8", 245 pounds. Like, you should be on the block all the time. You should be out-muscling people. So I think Duke is finally recognizing who they are offensively, and they've gotten better defensively as well. But, Jay, let me ask you this, because I had a chance to cover Duke Gonzaga when they played here at the beginning of the season at T-Mobile, and Duke somewhat controlled the first half. They come out in the second half, Gonzaga – the young kid from Vegas, Julian Trotter, somewhat took the game in his hands, and then Duke put it together. And, you know, it was that night we looked at the Blue Devils and said, man, they know their roles and the chemistry is built in this soon. It's just a matter of time as they continue to build. Was it more so that at some point there was just a lull and they got back to the fundamentals that they started the season with? Because that game, they really did look like a March Duke team when it came time to take that game back over? 
Yeah, that game was so early, and this is what I try to say about early games with young teams. You don't know what you don't know, right? So you're just out there hooping. You're not thinking about things. You haven't started to feel the real wear and tear of the season. I know we're talking about, you know, 35 games, but still, for how you play and how you practice, like, it is a grind. So I think, you know, what we saw there were flashes, and everybody that watched it, you're like, man, this is how good they can be. Um, but I still think there are moments where it's hard to recognize that each and every night you are the other team's Super Bowl-type game. And those expectations start to weigh on you, and they become heavy. Your legs become heavier. Coach K digs into your personality a little bit more when you do lose games. And a lot of freshmen aren't used to being challenged. And I'm not just talking about physically. I'm talking about psychologically, where it becomes daunting. There's a fatigue that starts to settle in. We're like, this guy's always on me. What can I not do right? And it gets to a certain point where later in the season, it happens to a lot of kids, like later their freshman year towards the end, where you're not thinking the game anymore. You're not becoming robotic. You understand what the standard is. You understand what the sets are, what's required of you as you continue to grow into your role. And it feels like after the North Carolina game, it was such an event. There was such a tightness that came along with that game. And now they're finally like, screw it. Like, we know where we're supposed to be. We know what sets we're in. Let's just play. Let's let it fly. And, and that's a scary combination for this talented team to have. So that's the voice of Jay Williams. You can follow him up on Twitter, Real Jay Williams. Also listen to Keyshawn J. Wilmax here on ESPN Radio in the mornings. Uh, listen, Coach K, the legacy is unquestioned. We know that. You're, you're talking to Las Vegas right now, though. He's not the most popular person here. What, sh- what should we know about Coach? Well, look, just know that I was a UNLV fan Okay. growing up. Uh, I love the running Rebels. Those were my squads. The, the thing I will say that's so unique about him, regardless of whether you, you think you hate him, even though you don't really know him, <laughs> he, he gets you to buy into something bigger than yourself. You know, like, I, I go back to the UNLV game where they came back, like, Duke was good, but UNLV was better. Yeah. Let's be talent-wise. Let's be honest about it, man. But sometimes the better team doesn't always win. The most talented team doesn't always win. The team that is maybe a little bit more together, right, and executes the details. The devil is in the details, and that's where Coach K loves to make his mark. So it's similar to Bill Belichick in a way, um, where it's like he will just out-discipline you, out-execute you, and it's he would talk about this. Sometimes it's a death by a thousand cuts. And I don't think a lot of coaches preach that to their teams. So when you have that ingrained in your head, and then you still do have offensive explosions, it doesn't matter even if you're up by 10 because you recognize that you have to keep carving away. So when it gets 12, then I want 14. I want 16. And it's all in the details of how you defend and how you execute your strategy. This is a question you probably don't want to think about, but I would just really fascinated by you knowing him much better than obviously most of us do. He wants to end with a title. No question. We all know that. That's the perfect way to go out. Would losing it to North Carolina – be the worst possible thing, or is that one you're like, hey, that you know, that was a good rivalry. That's how we went out. I mean, it's gonna suck. It, it would suck for me because I have to deal <laughs> with everybody trash talking me and my house being TP. And you know, guys are never gonna let that roll. But I, I, I will say, you know, it's funny. We we become so focused on the game on the court. And what I can tell you about this man is, it, it, what he's done on the court pales in in comparison to how he's taught his players to win at the game of life. 
And that's the legacy of Coach K. All the principles that we've learned, as it equated into, you know, five championships, will we love to see it equate into six? Sure, of course. But it doesn't take away from, from what he's left in all of our hearts as individuals and young men. And, Jay, it's, it's interesting that Adam brought that up because it was on my mind to ask you. I, I've always been intrigued when he's come here in, in the past few years um, since T-Mobile opened. Duke and UNLV actually opened uh, T-Mobile with the first college basketball game there. Um, and then when he's been here with USA Basketball, I don't know if I'm overthinking this, but every time that I have seen him in passing, like in the hallways at T-Mobile or whatever – it's as if every city he goes to, and I don't know if it's every city and different random reporters, but he, he'll he double take to me and go, hey, how are you? Stop, and he'll actually conversate. And I think that that <clears throat> impact he has beyond his basketball players, but with media members, you, you hear these stories with student reporters, whatever, but is, is the genuinity that I've seen over the years that, you know, where I feel like, Wow, he just—he may not know my name, but he says, "Oh, that's that reporter, that media member from here or there, from Las Vegas," because he stops and talks to me. That genuinity is that. Do is that you know him better than I do, or that we do? That's real, man. I mean, that's that's who this guy is. Um, now it depends if you're if you're catching him after a win or after a loss. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, like let's be honest about it. Like there, there is warfare here in, in how he approaches things. But, you know, for the most part, man, like he has an impeccable memory. And, I mean, the guy can even call back plays that they ran in 91-92. So, I, 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 look, how you treat people is ultimately what your legacy is. And I think it's something that he's always been extremely consciously aware of. So, for me, man, uh, just watching him, and it's, let's be honest, it had to be, it's had to be a struggle for him. Because this is his, how do you get a chance to really absorb what your last season means to you while you're so focused on trying to be present for these kids and their first opportunity to be at a Final Four, their first opportunity to win an ACC regular season, their first opportunity to win an Elite Eight. Um, That's one hell of a balancing act. So it's going to be interesting just to see emotionally, you know, where he is and how they continue to handle everything. And also, I look forward to when it's all said and done. Like, I, I, regardless of whether he wins or loses, I, I want to see him be retrospective and talk about how he's tried to balance this because this will this will for sure elongate or elevate his legacy because it's going to create a new chapter where he's able to teach. And at the end of the day, that's what Coach K is. He's a teacher. And, man, you've been incredible. We really appreciate it. We'll let you out of here. But I, I do want to ask one real quick before we let you go. It might be hard to answer. You might have to do it gritting through your teeth. Hubert's been great, man. No, man. I, you know what? I can always tell the truth about North Carolina. I love North Carolina. Uh, we used to go to Chapel Throw and party all the time. <laughs> I, I used to wear you know, Vince Carter's uh, you know, North Carolina blue shorts and try to lower my rim and dunk like him. I was always <laughs> unsuccessful, but I tried. And – like, Hubert Davis is the national coach of the year, in my opinion. Uh, he's like, I, I, you know, I, I worked with this guy at ESPN for four years. I watched him do college game day. I spent time with him. Uh, he's one of the most down-to-earth human beings there is on the planet. And I couldn't be happier for him. But I still hope their ass loses. 
How about that? <laughs> there you go. Hey, man, awesome, awesome stuff. We look forward to uh, hearing you every day on the radio. And uh, get through this weekend. It's going to be tough, but enjoy it. All right, boys. Thanks, man. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, man. That was great, great stuff. Jay Williams. You can follow him up on Twitter at Real Jay Williams. Also, Keyshawn J. Will and Max in the mornings when Willie's doing cardio. How about the fact that he is a UNLV basketball fan? He does, He's brought that up. Well, on, he was. Right. No, he was. Sure. He, he's brought that up on the air. He's talked about that team what, it, uh, during the show. He has said that off time. He talks about the UNLV running Rebels from back then. There you go. Good stuff from Jay Williams. Make sure you, uh, if you missed any of it, make sure you listen back on the podcast later on this evening. Uh, we'll come back from down here at the Silver Sevens William Hill Sportsbook. Make sure you download that app, fund it up, get ready for the games this weekend. You're going to want a live bet throughout the day, just like we all do. It's the greatest time, makes the games that much more enjoyable. If you are stressing, like Jay Williams is going to be doing uh, on Saturday, come back from the Silver Sevens. Sign up for an A-Play card and unlock some great food specials at the Sterling Spoon Cafe at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. I don't care if the sun don't shine. I do my drinking in the evening time when I'm in Las Vegas. Cofield and Company, Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez, Dangerous Danny, and Ari with you. Uh, I don't even... So, we often talk about just random, weird foods during this time. Mm. Um, Usually it's something I would at least consider trying or maybe tasting. Our good friend Sean this morning posted just a monstrosity. Uh, it was SpaghettiOs that had been placed in like a Jello mold. So it was basically a like a round Jello mold of SpaghettiOs with weird Vienna sausage type hot dog looking things in the middle. Not in the Jello, but just like presented in the middle. Yeah, like it's supposed to grab each one in like maybe. Are you supposed to put the SpaghettiOs onto the hot dog? Well, I think you're supposed to grab each little... Like meat. a dip? Yes. That is disgusting. It's horrible. That's, I don't... That's, I mean... That's absolutely disgusting. Listen, I'm a, a SpaghettiOs are fine. It's nothing I would eat, I don't think, by choice now. This reminds me of the Friends episode where Rachel makes a meat... What was it, Danny? A... <laughs> Hold on. Wait a minute. You both watch Friends? Yes. <sighs> I, I, I was I was roped into watching the series. Oh, I didn't finish no. it, though. I couldn't get through 10 seasons. It's terrible. I couldn't get through it. I've yet to. I You know what? I, you're going to be very disappointed in me. We may have to end the show. You may even kick me off the set. I've yet to embark on Seinfeld. Oh. <laughs> Was I supposed I, to go to break? I don't. I mean, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> anyway, back to this spaghettio gelatin mold. I <laughs> no, no, we're not going back to that. <laughs> no, we can't. It's fine. You were you were gonna make some friends comparison, which okay. She fine. makes this dessert, like seven layer dessert. What does it call it? Trifle? It trifle? It's yeah. trifle. It's definitely tri- trifling, but it's it's like she says, oh, I got custard in this, and then she says, she, and then there's a layer of meat. Yep. Okay, who made it? 
Rachel. Jennifer Aniston's character. Okay, I was going to say, because Courtney Cox is... The chef. She's a chef. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. That was the whole thing, is she wanted to contribute Ma- to a holiday Monica? dinner. Thanksgiving. Mo- yeah, Thanksgiving. She wanted to contribute, okay. so Monica gave her making, uh, providing the dessert. So it's she English decides to make it instead trifle. of buy it. I'm already... Yeah. I'm I'm infuriated. We've had this much conversation about friends. Well, you brought it back up. I was. I did. You're right. I just want. I wanted you guys to because I was going to say I thought she was a chef, so it, it was surprising that there was some weird thing made. Now, what is this other issue that we're to, that Ari is? Okay. Before you get there, can I just add one thing? I guarantee. If, is it about friends? Then no. No, it's about that okay. monstrosity. Okay. I guarantee you, Steve would find a way. Uh, it doesn't. I'll give it a shot. He'd find a way to to make it look good somehow. Well, just to be Maybe. contrarian. But like what I was gonna say though is like spaghettios are fine. They're a f- when you're a child, especially they're a fine thing. I just don't. I don't think I would have it now. But like there's other, there's definitely other like pastas and cans which are that's egregious. But at least they're like edible. Like a like a like a ravioli in a can or like a a beefarino or something something like that. Whatever the, whatever comes in there. Spaghettios are probably not the ultimate choice for that. Uh, it looks very weird. The other thing that we were going to get into during this food segment is, yes, Szechuan sauce is back. Now, I never got into this. It's apparently a sauce that McDonald's unveiled at one point. It was then referenced in an episode of Rick and Morty, and then they released it not knowing what kind of an impact it was going to have because there's so many fans of the show and they released it on a one-day trial, and lines were, like, around the buildings, and people were, like, almost rioting to get this Szechuan sauce, so they kind of made it go away. Now you have to order it through the app. I think each person can get five of them if they want. I don't remember the last time I went to McDonald's. Okay. Like, I, I, like, I, I would have to think back, at like, year-wise. Year. Really? Yeah, I don't – it's not going to – same yeah. here. I mean, I, mine would probably be pre-pandemic. The, the only thing I can think of that, that you would roll through at McDonald's would, would be like one of the coffees. No, yes, of course, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but they also do, like, there are times, like on a road trip, if there's not a Starbucks necessarily, okay. they do have Wi-Fi in a lot of them. Okay. So I've definitely done that. You get like a coffee or a Diet Coke or something and sit there and use the Wi-Fi. Okay. Or... Sit in the parking lot, <laughs> um, but yeah, I I don't know how this sauce is. It's soy forward. They describe it as highlighted by notes of ginger and garlic with a hint of sesame. Okay, mm. I mean, it sounds like it'd be fine. Would you put that on? I guess nuggets. Nuggets. Like, I mean, I can't I mean, imagine. You what gotta go traditional barbecue and sweet and sour. I don't think you go Szechuan. I'm not. Well, apparently people are in, and there's lines, and there's people ordering it on these apps. It's craziness. Would it be better than any of the sauces at one of your favorite chicken joints? Of course not. Come on, man. Come on. The CFA sauce or the honey mustard? Come on. Delicious. You and Jordan, you love that place. Oh, it's so good. So delicious. Jordan has figured out a way to work it into people's meal plans that want flexible dieting and need a cheat meal per day. Okay. I may have to. Uh, <laughs> per day. I have to hit him up for that. That's good. Uh, we'll come back. We talked about the Duke ramifications in the Final Four. Let's get some betting perspective when we come back. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. 
Michael Green warming up behind you. Any word yet on if he's able to go tonight? I think he was questionable coming into this game. I'll ask him. Where'd okay. he go? Yeah. Hey, Michael. Hey, Michael. You playing? <laughs> no, he's not playing. <laughs> you got to wait for all these letters and stuff to come out. Just ask the dude. He said he wasn't playing. <laughs> Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Back here from Silver 7s, William Hill Book, right around the corner, Adam Hill. Willie Ramirez in for Steve Cofield. You hear some great stuff coming back. That's some solid reporting. Scott Hastings Hold on a sec. Hold doesn't on. know what. You're in for Steve Cofield. You're, sure, the, you're the lead guy. That's fine. We're in oh, for Steve Cofield. Yeah. Uh Good stuff there from Scott Hastings. Brad Powers joins us on the phone right now. You can follow him up on Twitter at Brad Powers Seven. Brad, I know you enjoyed that. That's that's the reporting we need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that absolutely is. I mean, yeah. I would like we got to know who is in and out of these lineups. So, especially with uh, with regards to the NBA, prop betting, player prop betting, is so vital. And then obviously, don't have to tell fantasy people how vital it is if somebody's in or out. So yeah. uh, I just appreciated the candor and honesty, and uh, you just don't get that anymore. There you go. It should also say Brad Power 7 up on Twitter, bradpowersports.com. Check that out uh, for all of Brad's stuff. Uh, college football, or excuse me, NFL, we know you do a lot of college football, spring game, things like that. But NFL win totals popped up a little bit around town. We haven't had the draft yet. We still have some players to land where they're going to land, but did anything really jump off the page to you when you saw some of these numbers come up? I like Miami. Uh, they originally opened up eight and a half. I, you know, some guys uh, alerted me to that that the over was a really good bet. Makes sense, obviously. With the, you know, I think they upgraded at least offensively. Uh, obviously, getting another weapon for Tua and Tyree Kill makes that offense that much better. And then, you know, I just think their young coach, even though he's a first-time coach, uh, will probably have some. Uh, Offensively, they're going to be much better, and they'll be thinking more outside the box. So that was one that I originally leaned with. But I don't go hot and heavy on NFL. I mean, realistically, unless there's a glaring mistake, how far off can an NFL season win total be? I mean, we I saw, I just added it up before the segment. I think seven out of the 32 teams moved to half win. Uh, I, I much prefer betting college season win totals where sometimes, even on a 12-game schedule, we'll see a season win total move a game, game and a half. In some instances, even two games. So I, I was going to ask you when you said the Dolphins and you you brought up Mike McDaniel, but I, I guess when you do do this, and you know you're not going to deep too, dive too deep, but how tough is it to read how a new coach might be, especially a guy who's never even called plays before? I love Mike McDaniel, but that is kind of a, a great unknown when you look at Miami. Absolutely. So I mean, there's certainly some uncertainty in that. Uh, but I, I just think from everything that I – and, look, I know he's a media darling just because he's very candid and we don't you don't get that from guys. But I, I can tell you this, and from the from following the college and the NFL, the, the youth movement is the way to go. I mean, if you looked at, like, the, in college football, I tweeted this several months ago, if you looked at, and stack ranked the, the youngest staffs in the country, they were among the top five or six best teams against the spread in the country almost universally so i am always going to lean towards you know I, the, the, there's something that the the new analytics the younger guys are seeing that the market isn't and i tend to actually prefer the youth over the experience at least at this point 
Certainly want to get into college basketball at the Final Four coming up this weekend. But I did just see a note. I want to see what your impression was that uh, JT Daniels will visit West Virginia. How close are you monitoring JT Daniels and where he may end up? <laughs> JT Daniels does not move the point spread as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. So I'm not a big JT Daniels fan. West Virginia is a very inexperienced team as far as returning production, bottom 10 in the country, so anything can help them out. But it makes sense. Here's the note that you should take away from it. Keep in mind the new offensive coordinator at West Virginia is Graham Harrell, who was the coordinator for JT Daniels his freshman season at USC. So in that regard, that move would make some sense. And I think Graham Harrell would like to throw the ball a lot. Yes, he would. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how well that works out uh, in November in Western. There you go. Something to monitor with a, a lot of – you can definitely follow Brad, like I said, Brad Power 7, for a lot of college football notes here throughout the spring season for sure. Uh, but it is college basketball week. We're focused on it. We're looking forward to the Final Four. I am going to be stressing a bet more than I've ever in my life, uh, but I won't get into that. There's two games coming up on Saturdays. Either game appeal to you more, obviously, Duke, North Carolina with the national headlines, but all money is the same. So uh, either game stick out more than the other to you. My favorite bet as of right now at the current lines is North Carolina plus four. And I just think the light bulb is turned on for North Carolina. I like looking at the some of the advanced metric sites. Ken Palm is the most popular. Another one out there that, that a lot of people use is Bart Torvik. The one thing that I like that distinguishes him from a Kempom site is you can play around with different dates and look at efficiencies from teams. You know, how good are they since, you know, January 1st? How good are they since, you know, the, the month of March? And if you look at North Carolina and take it back to the last two Saturdays of the regular season, the conference tournaments, and obviously the NCAA tournament, North Carolina ranks number one in the country as far as that metric goes. And the distance between North Carolina and the number two team is the same distance as between the number two team and the number eight team. So that's how much better North Carolina has been this last eight, nine game, ten game stretch than, than the rest of the country. So because of that, I, you know, and it makes sense. You, you, one of their top players, Brady Manick, transfer. Uh, obviously first year coach. Uh, he's never been a head coach prior. So there was an adjustment period for them, but right now last, you know, third of the season, North Carolina's playing at least as good as anybody, but I would say even better. And you're telling me I'm getting four points, give me North Carolina. And I'm right there with you, uh, Brad. As far as the metrics are concerned, I ran this through my spreadsheet. And just over the last eight, last four, crunching the numbers, um, I have North Carolina winning by four, which would be an eight-point swing. But I also lean toward the under where one, two, three, four of my six totals that it comes up with before giving me an overall average has this game staying in the 140s. Um, and a lot of it has to do with North Carolina's defense in how it's been. It's I think in its last eight games, it's maybe once given up about 86 points. Other than that, it's been relatively staunch. And I think that the defense is, is, is a telling tale of how good this team has become. No question about it. Look at the last nine, ten games, North Carolina's playing at top ten defensive level. So I agree with you that. Uh, I did bet both unders uh, in the two games. You know, just 
for my purpose, it's the first time these teams have been playing in a stadium. Used to get, I mean, I know I'm dating myself, but college basketball used to be so popular. A lot of the regional games used to be yeah. played inside football stadiums. Now you got to wait till the Final Four. So shooting backdrops are obviously different. I will say I probably prefer first half unders more than full game, just to avoid the foul fest possibly if the game's close uh, late, late uh, in the final minutes. But I certainly think you're on the right track there, betting that game under. I know uh, you know we we'd like to look at the numbers and break it down, and uh, I know it's I think the date is February nineteenth that we've all been using for uh, when North Carolina really turned the corner. Uh, but is there any way to kind of factor in the fact that it could be eight on five with everyone wanting Shashevsky to play on Monday? <laughs> no, I mean I laugh at that, but I, honestly, that's my biggest concern with my North Carolina event, and we've seen. Some disparity as far as the free throw attempts already in the first four games in the tournament in favor, obviously, shocker in favor of Duke. Uh, so, yeah, that, that is a concern. Uh, I'm not saying that anything nefarious is going on, but, you know, if it's a 50 50 call, uh, who do I expect to get the benefit of the doubt? Probably Coach K and Duke. So, that is my one worry. I will say this, though, after watching that first North, or the second North Carolina Duke game, where North Carolina upset. Uh, Duke and Coach K's final game. I thought North Carolina was the, even though you would think that the calls would go against them there on the road. I mean, North Carolina was clearly the, the better team in that one. So I expect more of the same here. So the other game, not as talked about, but certainly just as important, Kansas and Villanova. Uh, the big storyline coming into this, Justin Moore, second leading scorer for Villanova, out. And it could be a major impact, mostly because Villanova is not a deep team at all. They only play six guys. Now they're only really have five guys that play regularly that are going to be out there. Uh, so depth, a concern, but how do you look at this one? Yeah, I did originally back Kansas. I think it's priced in at this point. I mean, the reason Kansas isn't laying one or two uh, is, you know, because of the injury yeah. there. So, I mean, if you're waking up on Saturday looking to bet this game, oh, Villanova's missing their second leading score. Got to bet Kansas. Well, folks, that's, that's why <laughs> the, the spread's four and a half. But you mentioned a very good point, and, and maybe – and the market still isn't fully grasping it. The fact that Villanova's got one of the shortest benches in the entire country. So they, you are going to get at least one guy, if not two guys, that are used to playing less than 10 minutes per game because Villanova is a team only uses six guys, like you said. I mean, that average more than 25 minutes a game. And everybody else is less than 10. So you're going to get one or two guys that are playing double the minutes than what they're uh, accustomed to. So, yeah, sure, that could be a negative. I will say this, though, guys. I'm not lining up the bet against Villanova and Jay Wright too often. Last 10 years, Villanova 60% against the spread on in every game in college basketball. So they're number one in the country during that stretch. So long term, you're not making money betting against Villanova. But sure, pizza money at the, at this point on Kansas for me. You give me a lot to think about. I have a lot of decisions to make between now and Saturday, Brad. Uh, I do appreciate the information, as, uh, as our listeners do, I'm sure, as well. Uh, what, what should people be following you for these days? Yeah, you can always follow me on Twitter at BradPower7. I transition almost all football after this weekend. So check me out on Twitter if you, if you want some of that football nuggets. There you go. Brad Power 7 Check them out. We appreciate it, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, guys. Oh, man. I like Villanova. Kind of like North Carolina. I definitely like North Carolina. I've been on North Carolina and under since the lines were made. Those are the two. I, I'm staying away from the other game. I like Tar Heels plus the points. I like the under. 
Well, plenty, plenty of the games to talk about tomorrow as well. We have another hour left here. Maybe get into it a little bit as we go along. A big five next from the Silver Sevens. 22-ounce Bud Light, Budweiser, or Michelob Ultra, plus two hot dogs and two bags of chips, all for just $7.77 at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino.